And welcome to Another Damn Conspiracy, episode 3. Hello. Woohoo! We made it this far. <laughs> three episodes. I know. Will we last to seven? Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, before we begin, I'd like to point out I am fucking really ill. So if I just fall dead halfway through this, I'm not ignoring you at all. Honest. The bad thing for listeners, they'll just have to put up with me instead. Oh no! I, I'll, I'll, you. I'll, I'll try. And you're you're going to be editing this thing, so yeah. <laughs> and you better not drop dead because they'll have to listen to my crap edit. Right. Anyway. Okay, so we're, we're we're now on episode three, and we've already managed to change how we're actually going to get this podcast to people. Yep. Because um, originally we were doing it on SoundCloud, uh, but now we've moved to a new service. Yes, we have. Yeah, if you want to download the podcast from now on, it's at shoutengine.com/slash another damn conspiracy. Um, and the another damn man conspiracy have capital letters because I didn't think about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can down, you can download it on there. You can play it on the website, and you can also upload comments yeah. uh, onto there on the website, which we will check before we do the next blog. So if you've got any requests, any questions, any uh, corrections, mm-hmm. um, post them on there, and we'll do our best to ignore them. Yeah, and we're also on iTunes now, so if you go on the iTunes store or onto the podcast app on your Apple table and you can search... If you're ser- unfortunate enough to possess one. Yeah, you can search for Another Damn Conspiracy on there and we're on there, which is... Um, I don't I don't know why they approved it, but they did, so we're on there. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously don't check for quality. No. no. <laughs> oh, have you ever been on the App Store? <laughs> oh, Okay, well, I think we should kick off with a question from our listeners. And the question is, uh, from Simon Locke and Josh Booth, both asked a similar thing. They're asking us, what does Jeremy Corbyn's victory mean for the future of the Green Party and for UKIP? Corbyn being such a left-winger, I I think that people are going to want to see, you know, uh, the Green Party kind of melding into, you know, this sort of Corbynite uh, version of the Labour Party. Mm. But frankly, I can't see it happening. No. Um, the they have different opinions uh, on lots of things, but it's mainly about different emphasis. Hmm. Um, both Corbyn and the Green Party are you know seen as compassionate compared to most politicians. Yeah. Um, but uh, Corbyn is far less interested in the environment compared to the Green Party. Mm-hmm. Um, they do interestingly have very similar stances on the European Union, or so we're told. You know, sort of generally anti-European sentiment mm. but not not a particularly strong one uh, one more based on the fact that there are a lot of member states in the EU which are more right-wing and, and uh, as a result the EU is uh, sometimes seen as putting up right-wing policies on the UK it's not something I agree with but but I can 
I can understand the similarity there between the two parties. Hmm. But I think they do definitely have distinct identities. I mean, there are, you know, the Green Party has some really quite serious views on things like the environment, but but also things like uh, civil liberties and stuff. I'm using the word serious to sort of mean unusual views. Hmm. And, and I think that Corbyn is far more mainstream than, we, than, we give, than we're giving him credit for, and certainly than the press giving credit for. Yeah. Will he attract voters who'd been moved over to voting Green by the likes of Gordon Brown and Ed Miliband? Yeah, quite possibly. Hmm. Quite possibly. But I don't think he's going to do enough damage to them because I think they've got the Green Party have got a sort of loyal core following. Um, what do you think it means for the UKIP? The lovely UKIP. Oh. Well, <laughs> I think it would be very difficult for Corbyn to come out and campaign for an exit to the European Union because of the Labour Party and its generally pro-EU view. Hmm. Um, you know, I think if Corbyn could appeal to the working classes, then I think actually he, he, he might take votes from UKIP and that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, the trouble is, he's not gonna he's not gonna take any of the racists from UKIP because he's you know he's pro he's well he's pro immigration he's yeah. pro taking in refugees for God's sake I mean UKIP for all its spiel just isn't no so I I, I don't think it's gonna have a huge effect on UKIP actually um, mm. other than maybe maybe taking away some of the you know so called disgruntled voters who are looking yeah. to looking to protest actually they might see a different kind of politics in Corbyn. With yeah. any luck, I think really it's the Tory party that has to worry most about UKIP because you know there are some real right wing loonies in uh, in the Tory party, <laughs> and uh, you know UKIP just mops them all up. Yeah, it's and, a loony bin. Yeah, and speaking of um, right wing loonies, I think that segues nicely onto our brand new news segment. You know, I think it does. <laughs> Point out that we have introduced this news section, yeah, quite specifically for for today's, <laughs> uh, well, the day of recording anyway, revelation uh, about yeah. what David Hammeron, <laughs> sorry Cameron, uh, <laughs> liked to get up to while he was in Oxford. <laughs> do, do you wanna do you wanna go for this one? What's more to say than Cameron has been accused of fucking a pig? No, a, pig, uh, I, not, a, a dead pig. Yeah, that's, but I don't, I mean, does it count as animal cruelty if the pig is dead? I don't know. Is it... God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So basically, the um, the scandal is that there's claims that David Cameron uh, put his dick into a dead pig's mouth in order to join a society in Oxford. Yeah, I was on them. It was late last night the news sort of came. That news. Yeah. It's not news, it's, it's, only an, accus- it's an accusation. Um, Made by Lord Ashcroft, a Tory party donor who has a massive beef or ham with the Tory party. Um, Basically, uh, the two of them fell out having Lord Ashcroft donates vast amounts of money, but then basically got Cameron elected the first time around, and then they had a huge falling out. uh, Mm. And it's been suggested that this is... uh, this is Ashcroft's way of getting back at Cameron. But yeah. the, the interesting thing is, there is apparently a photograph of this deed <laughs> somewhere, um, uh, and I'd really like it to come to light. Yeah, Not I to mean... see it, but just so he can't <laughs> no. deny it. Well, well, knowing the internet, it's probably already up there. Oh, God, um, yeah. <laughs> 
But I think, was it Lord Ashcroft that said that, well, I don't specifically know if it was Cameron, but a lot of that was happening at the time. So... How is that what he said? He said that uh, today, yeah. Um, oh, okay, because in his book he makes, you know, he, yeah. he names and shames it as Cameron. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he was saying that it, it, it's definitely happened a lot, uh, you know, around, and it's like, I wonder what the other, because most, the, I mean, most of his sort of best buddies in the fucking government were along for the ride, really, weren't they? Oh, yeah. So, I, I wonder what happened to um, those lot. It's going to be interesting to see. Oh, I mean, God. did, this, did um, Boris Johnson... Did they Johnson's, all take part? Yeah, did Boris Johnson strangle a goat? Um, did Gideon well, lick a goose? I don't really know. <laughs> oh, I just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, Cassette Boy have already been on the act as well. Yeah, that, I mean, nice that was fantastic. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, if, yeah, we'll, we'll stick a link up, but that is that is worth a watch. It definitely is. Oh, so from pig fucking to <laughs> cycling. This doesn't yeah. segue. This doesn't segue at all. No, no, it, this, it, we are shit news. This is officially shit news. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Look, you know, episode three. Come on. We should be professional and slick by now. This is this is poor. Well, Look, I, I, we, we are going to move on though, because because again, you know, if it's longer than half an hour. We're stuffed. Or <laughs> piggies, anyway. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, so at the moment, right in the world of cycling, is now it's the World Championships, right? Now, um, that is basically where allegedly the best rider in the world wins the race and is crowned. Um, but it's a load of rubbish because um, the best riders. Well, it depends entirely on what sort of roads the race is run on, because a sprinter <laughs> can't go up a hill, so you know Cavendish isn't going to win anything going up a mountain. The, the the point is the whole the whole world championships thing in cycling is completely flawed because okay, it's every year, so it gives everyone a chance eventually. Mm. But you know, year on year, actually, most riders are too tired by now by the end of the season. But if you do it at the start of the season, most riders aren't ready. If you do it in the middle of the season, most riders are busy with a you know a more important race. It's it's a bit of a mess, but anyway, it is worth watching. The team time trial has just has just been and gone, uh, and that was won by BMC. They were the last year's winners. But there's a road race and there's an individual time trial. The road race is where everyone's together, but the time trial is just the cyclist by themselves mm-hmm. on a road. They have to cycle a certain distance, and whoever sets the fastest time wins. There's no teamwork, and there's no you know jostling and argy bargy with the other riders. So it's often called the race of truth as a result, and that should be pretty exciting. You see, Wiggins won it last year, but he's since kind of left top-level sport to focus on his Olympic ambitions. So it'll be very, very interesting to see who wins it. It might be someone like Tom Dumoulin, who did really well at the Tour of Spain, or someone like Tony Martin, who's won it, you know, umpteen times in previous years. The, the, the other side of this this little cycling news thing is that um, I was just at one of the Sky Rides um, a few days ago, uh, and that's basically something that happens... Uh, in UK cities, and they'll close off the city centre from cars, and actually from pedestrians on the route, and they'll put up all the boarding and everything, and there's basically a, a city cycle route that anyone can go on. Um, Alright, that's good. It's like for families, so it's, you know, there's kids, there's grannies, there's there's like business people who are on their lunch break, you know, whatever. You, you can sign up online, you don't even have to sign up, you can sign up when you arrive. And they'll give you a, they'll give you a free bib and all this sort of stuff. But the point is, it's a nice little safe route around a city centre, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've yeah. been on one before, 
Um, this one I went to uh, in Bradford was actually quite a lot shorter. The one in Leeds was um, rather longer, and it had sort of longer but less steep hills. Whereas this one in Bradford, Bradford city centre is a crater. It's a, <laughs> you know, um, it, 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 oh, it's not geographically a crater, but but um, it might as well be. <laughs> it, it might as well be. Yeah, um, the city centre is at the bottom, and to actually leave the city, you have to go up the sides and then back down, basically. It's really quite a compact area that's that's right at the bottom of, and so as soon as you start to go any distance out of the city centre, it's hills everywhere. Yeah, I live on one of those hills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, you really do. Uh, and because this course is so compact, you're basically going uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill for four kilometres um, each time you do a circuit. And so it's got some really, really steep, sharp hills, and then it's got some cobbled sections and stuff. So it's actually a really interesting course, um, you know, for, for for those reasons, really, that it was so varied and that... Um, so open and friendly so these things go on you know basically throughout the spring summer and autumn in various places uh, and i recommend that you know wherever you live you look up when your sky ride is going to be it's called mm. the sky ride because it's sponsored by sky uh, they have a long running partnership with uh, british cycling the only downside of the sky ride is that you have to wear a tabard that advertises sky which uh, of course is murdoch who no, we love boom. on this podcast <sighs> that sounds really good actually i didn't realize it was an open event for all i mean anyone Anyway, yeah. it's free as well. Well, I think... Um, well, the council pays for it. <laughs> that sounds good. I think that's something I might get involved with, actually. But I need to get a bike first, and I need to get some money. Mm, ah, you can hire bikes. Can you hire bikes? Mm. Yeah, you have to sign, You have to register and then tell them you want to hire a bike, but I think you can hire a bike. All right, well, should we, we should do... Next, um, when the next one's on, we should do the episode live from that, get two headsets. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the bikes, oh my yeah. God. The chaos. <laughs> Yeah, that would be disaster. Um, Actually, it, these these things can be a bit chaotic because because it's open to everyone. You know, there are yeah. like to- there are like toddlers going around on you know balance bikes and all sorts of crazy stuff, and, <laughs> and they're sort of swerving all over the path and they're stopping dead in front of you and then walking. Oh my god! So it's sort of navigating like past yeah. just, just <laughs> it's, it's absolute chaos. You're sort of weaving in and out the whole time, and of course there are people who've put up Strava segments, so there are people racing around trying to get the best time. <laughs> as well so it's, it's quite entertaining that sounds really good <laughs> yeah it was, it was good and the weather held out which was nice as well because of course it's an open air thing oh that sounds fantastic yeah I'm definitely, definitely going to get involved with that at some point um, yeah. yeah and I recommend our listeners do the same yes there you go there's our um, health segment of the news <laughs> Final bit of news then, yep. is that Doctor Who is back. I'm so excited. I'm really, oh. really, really excited. I look forward to Doctor Who, and I, I, it's a scandal they only make one series a year these days. Yeah. Now I, I have my own I, opinions I, on Doctor Who. I'll, I'll let you talk first. Though. Well, okay. I don't want to talk too much, because obviously it's spoilers and things. And yeah. if you haven't watched it, it's on iPlayer. Go and watch it. It's, I, I thought it was really, 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 really good. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, I'm a bit annoyed that they keep on dredging up the same villains. <laughs> but other than that, actually, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah. The Master is in the first episode, uh, except she's, <clears throat> uh, it's back in the form of Missy, who's played by Michelle Gomez, who who was fantastic in Greenwing um, as the completely mad, uh, like like completely mad um, human resources secretary <laughs> just 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 insane absolutely yeah. insane and, and she makes a fantastic master you know um the last guy was it was it john sim i, I don't know <laughs> it was in the guy from like uh, life in mars 
Life on Mars. Life, I, I, I didn't watch that show, actually. <laughs> it was meant to be good, I didn't watch it either. I think mm. it was John Cena. That's mm. what it's called. He was really good. You know, he, he gave the impression of a sort of tormented soul. Yeah. But Missy's just just mad. Just just like crackers. <laughs> Completely whacked. Yeah. Go on, then. So what were you going to say, then? I've, the thing about Doctor Who is I enjoy it, and I, and I should love it. But it is so hit and miss, especially more recently. Um, especially um, Matt Smith's the entire. I mean, Matt Smith, I thought was a little bit better than like the um, the ones with uh, Catherine Tate, which is a whole series I just I hated very most of that. But I didn't like her to be fair. And when it is good, it's a really good, entertaining um, sci-fi show. But when it's bad, it fucking stinks. It is, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm like, I haven't watched the next, last episode yet, but. I, I mean, I haven't finished, I'll, I'll have to admit, I recorded all the last series and I still haven't finished it. Um, wow. But I, I, I thought um, that, um, who is it? Fucking, oh, this is the endless setting in. Who are we talking? The Doctor or the Psychic? Yeah, uh, I think Peter Capaldi plays a really, really good Doctor. Yeah, I um, think so. And, you know, I do need to catch up on it. Um, it's just, it's so hit and miss. Um, and even fans, like, even the most diehard fans, you know, they're like, even they're like, yeah, there's some shit. Um, I think one of the things about Doctor Who is it's got it's got a really varied fan base because there's this sort of international fan base which only well, really yeah. knows, you know, Matt Smith, a bit mm. of David Tennant, and then Peter Capaldi. Yeah. And then there's a sort of longer-standing uh, British fan base, which has got all the sort of you know the the older. Doctor Who catalogue, you know, going back, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, eight, eight, eight or nine Doctors, depending on mm. whether you count the movie or not. <laughs> we all do. Movie. Yeah, I think we have to, because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Russell T. Davis. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, well, I, I recommend it, and I think you should, I think you should listen to it and me? watch it. Oh, yeah, the you. listeners, me. Well, both yeah. of you. Both of us no, I will do. I, I love sci-fi, and Doctor Who is good when it's good. I just, it's so hit and miss. Like, I just dread watching new episodes. It's like I hope this is going to be one of the good ones, <laughs> and you shouldn't have to. But you know. But I enjoyed it, and it's a two-parter, so it's got a cliffhanger. Ooh, very good. Well, I will. Um, I will watch that. But I've actually been watching some other television today. Uh, mm. Today, this week. that British TV can be a little bit shit and the majority of it is shit and then this last week or two I've watched loads of British TV that I think is really excellent and it's great to see because I mean a lot of British crews are used all around the world I mean HBO uses it for things like Game of Thrones that's a I know that is a British crew on there I've been watching This Is England and Cradle to the Grave now I won't talk a lot about This Is England because I know you haven't. Wa- um, I haven't watched any yeah. of This Is England, and this is something that clearly needs correcting. Yeah, um, I'm assuming it's, a- it's all on 4OD. Um, I don't know because um, it started off actually as a um, British film mm. uh, funded by I think the UK Film Council. I definitely were Film Four. R.I.P. Uh, UK Film Council. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely a Film Four film, and it takes uh, it's set in I can't remember what year it's set. I think it's like '84. And it's set... Um, no, wasn't that the next series? There's 86, 88, and 90. So no, it, 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 oh, it wasn't... Oh, yeah. okay. And it's set in Sheffield, 
and features sort of a cast of sort of down and out people, sort of the lower end of the spectrum, where you tend to not get um, dramas made about them, really. Mm. And it's just a really well observed series. Like it goes from the feature to eighty six to eighty eight, and this the final series which is airing now is This Is England ninety. This and, is going to be the final one, is it? And that's what they're saying. Um, mm. But just the level of detail in the show, like it's a period film. Uh, dra- drama. Um, <laughs> See, you, you think you hear period drama, immediately you think of some crap like down Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. It, it captures that era of up north d- mm. of drabness perfectly. But it's not a totally downer series. Now, yes, there are some very sort of emotional moments in the show. There's a lot of humour to it, even you know, even though they are sort of struggling in life. And it's it's a very interesting series. I'd like to hear what um, sort of the listeners think about it. And I think once you've caught up, we'll have a bit of a discussion on it. There's two episodes mm. left, so once it's all done, I think we should have a discussion because it's a very interesting show. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the the whole ca- the cast is fantastic, and the chemistry there just works perfectly. The writing's great, and it's really well directed. And it's just, it's what I want to see from British TV. I mean, unfortunately, the series are only ever four episodes each. Although the hour, you know, they're nearly an hour long, so it's like you're getting mm. sort of. In a, a like a extended feature film each time. So I, suppose, I suppose the whole of This Is England is like one American TV series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's up there with the quality of those though. Yeah. With the HBO, it's very very good. Um, and yeah, it doesn't look as sort of stylish as things like Game of Thrones do. But then again, it's, it's sort of trying to capture Sheffield in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, a very stylish place. <laughs> um, so that's fantastic. And another actual period. It's weird how all these sort of period films um, and series are coming out at the moment. Um, and the other one at the moment is C- uh, Cradle to the Grave, which is on BBC, but it's produced by ITV. Um, oh God! Which is yeah. I, 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 at least I can say ITV have made something that I think is good. Although it was aired on BBC. <laughs> is it showing um, on the BBC instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what um, would have hurt the reputation? Yeah. And it's it's based on um, Danny Baker, who I think is a radio DJ. He wrote a book, which is you know his life story. Mm. And the series is based upon the stories that happened in his life. Um, and I find it quite fun. It's it's genuinely quite funny. I mean, a lot of comedy at the moment, especially for the BBC, is trying to sort of aim it at a mainstream selfie-taking hip at Twitter sort of yeah. generation, which is bullshit. Like and yeah. it's not funny. Whereas this one is it's very human. It's about the characters and you know, it's not necessarily the funniest thing I've ever watched. But there's some great laughs in there, some great slapstick as well actually. And I just had a great laugh with it, which you know, it made me laugh many, many times and that's a it, you know great sign for a comedy, you know. It's 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 one of these things that is sort of you know, perpetually enjoyable. Yeah. There's not there's nothing going on in it that makes you, you know, feel, you know, dark and moody and brooding. No. You know, it, it's light. Um that that in itself is quite good. To have something that's 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 quality that's also light. Yeah. Cuz you know, this is England. I'm 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 I understand it's quite grimy. It is in parts, yeah. 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 Um, and and you know, I think, you know, family TV as it might be called. You know, is is either sort of just stupid, yeah, <laughs> or it's got, or it's a bit cult like Doctor Who, or it's you know, it's rubbish. Yeah, and and maybe this doesn't quite fall into any of those categories. It's actually, oh, it's, it's, it's actually a piece of quality quality TV, which is really quite hmm. enjoyable. It's got yeah. some really really great, you know, funny moments in it as well. Yeah, it does. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's just like we've got a great history of comedy in this country, mm. and in recent years we've kind of been just like pushing it aside. Especially the the commissioners have been. Yeah. And it's so sad to see. So when something like the C- Cradle to the Grave comes on TV, you're just like, huh? I'm surprised they commissioned this, but it's it's good, and it I think it fits up there with sort of the hallmarks of sort of British comedy. Like it's it's trying to be its own little thing, and whether it works or not, it doesn't always. But it's actually trying to be something unique up on the screen, and that's like, and I give it credit for that, you know. Mm. Um, of course, it's got it's got the fantastic Peter Kay in it. Yeah, it does. He he took a kind of break from doing any sort of television work. Has, has he been on um, tour or something? No, he's he's just taken a break. To be fair. Um, fair enough. Um, but I've I've always found it quite funny. Um, it more, more sorry. We 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 we've we've seen him on stage. Yeah, we have. Not, not in a comedy show. He was in the producers, wasn't they? Yeah, playing um, the um, transvestite um, producer. <laughs> what was his name? Um, no, the director, not the producer. No, the director. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what the hell's his name? Roger Debris. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, fantastic yeah. experience. It was fantastic. We were on. We, we were on the front row. The front row. Yeah. And what what the actors do for eyeline is they always look down at the at the first row because the only row they can see because of all the harsh lights. So like you had Peter Kay sort of like doing lines, and when he'd wink to the audience, he'd be winking at the front row where we were sat, and it's just like that was in- incredibly strange, but it was it was hilarious. I mean, he was yeah. fantastic in that, um, and I've always preferred his sort of his acting roles rather than his stand up. Um, so things like Phoenix Nights, which um, some people say would be a stereotype, but it's it's set in a club up north in Bolton, and actually. I grew up in a lot of places like that, you know, with my parents going in there and drinking, and I'd be just sort of like, sort of playing under the tables, and it's sort of a smoke-filled club, and um, and so actually, it was weirdly not nostalgic, but you know, it brought back weird memories. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see him back again. He did a show earlier in the year called Car Share. No, that that was really which good. was really good. Um, the first episode, I didn't quite know what to make of it, but it yeah, of, I, the first the episode just was... wasn't one of the funniest. It it just wasn't. No, but the series got better and better as you watched. Yeah, it. but it was a very slow burner. It was a show that co- it was comfortable at going at a slower pace. The you know the whole sort of story. I mean, most comedies probably would have told the whole story of the series in one episode, but it didn't. It it just slowly plodded along. But it and it was ca- it, it felt really genuine as well. Yeah, they were they had- they really were this. It was like it was like taking you know two people who who'd card shared yeah. twenty years and taking the highlights of, of conversations they actually had. Yeah, and putting them into a TV series and it it felt real. I mean, okay, yeah. you know some of the situations were ridiculous, but you think yeah. actually you know that's the sort of thing that happens to people. You know, every sort of. You know, every sort of five years or something, something ridiculous happens. Yeah, and you end up in a sort of situation. You know, and it, it felt like the best of of, yeah. of something that actually is real, and I really like that about it. I, I, you know, it, it it made you feel for characters which weren't necessarily very, you know, very well developed within their own plot lines. No, they were just like people who you got to know by by sitting on the dashboard. Yeah. And that I think that was great. That was the great thing about it. It was just human, and it was funny. And I'll, I, you know, I, I just like comedy that d- doesn't try too hard. It is mm. been, it, it's comfortable being, you know, it's nice to see a comedy that's comfortable. Like a lot of comedy these days 
does try too hard. Well, it's it's all you know. Yeah. Uh, the things I really hate, you know, are the, are the things that make you cringe rather yeah. than laugh. You know, like you know, some characters going into some situation that's obviously going to be wrong, and yeah. hilarity ensues. Well, no, hilarity doesn't ensue. The situation no. just makes you cringe because you've already seen exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, in a quarter of an hour's time, and you're thinking, well, why am I watching? Yeah, it's just awkward and. It, you know, it's so badly written, it's not going to be funny. Whereas this... Yeah, if you get a chance to watch Kasha, it's, it's very, very good. And supposedly they're working on a second series as well, so like, I can't wait for that to come out. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it yeah, will, but... I'm looking forward to that. And supposedly they're working on a second series of Cradle to Grave already, which is great to see. Really? It, I don't know if it's been commissioned yet, but they've started writing it regardless. Okay, so I guess moving on from, you know, I'll chat about British TV and stuff, mm-hmm. um, moving on to a video game. Now, yes. for once, I'm going to talk about the video game. Um, yeah. I say for once, we've only done three episodes, but anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, in the last episode, we didn't talk about a game, so... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, I have this idea in my mind of you doing the games. I don't know. Anyway, look, the point is, I want to talk about Napoleon Total War. Okay, um, you, you can do that. I'll allow it. Yeah, okay, so so this is like a... This is a game that was released a few years back now. Released in February 2010. Ooh. So it's actually five years old now. That's that's, that's quite impressive. Mm. Anyway, I want to talk about this because I really, really, really liked it. I've been enjoying it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know what Total War games are, they're basically um, a massive simulation of, you know, in Napoleon Total War, it's Europe. You know, Shogun Total War, it's Japan. Uh, you know, there's like Medieval Total War. It's just, you know, again... Mainly Europe, but you know, different time frames. Rome, Total War, Rome Two, Medieval Two, Shogun Two, to basically you know updated versions. Um, but I really, I've just been playing Napoleon Total War, and I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, particularly uh, the DLC of the Peninsula Campaign. It kind of takes Empire Total War, which you've just played the tutorial of, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. By, by way of research, and mm. shrinks it right down onto just Spain. Um, and okay. I, I, I'm a big fan of history, and particularly the Napoleonic Wars and stuff. It, it, it's always really interested me. And um, it's nice how they've used certain features. Uh, part of this Total War series is it has kind of religion as a theme. It, hmm. um, it's something that you have to manage. Your country might be a different religion to a territory that you invade and capture, for instance. And then you have to try and deal with the fact that there are religious uprisings there, for instance. And, and they use that sort of religion feature in the Peninsula DLC. Hmm. Um, instead of it being religion, it's pro-French, anti-French, and that right. relates. And that relates to the historical fact that um, Spain and the people of Spain were very, very resentful of Napoleon conquering them. And you know, okay, that's generally true when you get invaded, but this went right down to the peasants. Yeah. You know, and, and as Monty Python clearly told us, you know, the peasants were more interested in digging turnips than anything else. <laughs> so you know. It was really impressive, and it, it was the start of guerrilla warfare, actually. And so, there's a lot of features like that in the game, mm. which are actually really interesting. But I'm, I'm interested. What did you make of playing just, just only just starting to play Empire Total War? Now, I have, I have, um, I haven't played this sort of a simulation game since Age of Empires. Mm. I mean, this is a this is free? a big world strategy game. Yeah, free. So that's a while ago now. Um, that is a while. And 
the first sort of thing you get with it is there's so much detail to the to the battle system, to the sort of background history of the of the game, and that is something that's a little bit um, not off-putting, but it's like overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming when you first start. It's like, oh, Christ, there's fuck tons to do here. What do I do? Yeah. Um, but I think that's what makes these sort of um, war simulation games sort of engaging is that fact that you can do many different sort of... There's many different ways to sort of uh, run your campaign, and that's what I found very interesting about it. I'm going to play a bit more, I think, actually. It, it definitely oh, interested me, but I've, I've got it. It's so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But I see, I, I, I've always been a fan of strategy games because, you know, mm. my reaction times are complete pish. So, yeah. you know, racing games I'm crap at. Um, <laughs> apart, apart from Mario Kart and DS for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, and, and also shooters I'm crap at. So, you know, yeah. uh, strategy games that are right on my street because I, you know, I can actually do them. You can stop and think about them. You know, and yeah. I've, play, I've played, you know, things like uh, Cycling Manager, uh, Age of Empires, you know, that sort of thing. There's like Tycoon games. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But one of the things I used to play was a game called Imperial Glory, which is effectively a, a Total War knockoff. Yeah. Um, and I I really enjoyed that, and it was effectively Empire Total War and Napoleon Total War shrunk down to its most basic military elements. Yeah. In that you're creating units from the money you earn from the regions you have, and what Empire Total War does is it takes that kind of military theme, and it yeah. adds in things like trade and politics. In that you can, you know, you can choose your government, and then there'll be uprisings and stuff like that, depending on what your government is and what the rules are, and you can set tax levels. But you can also trade. And in Empire Total War, um, trading is a big thing. Um, and one of the things about Empire is you can also go over, you can go over to the United States, where you know there's kind of a, there's, there's you know, there's the U.S. in a sort of fledgling situation. And there's like English territories and Dutch territories and French territories, uh, and the mm. same for South America. It's, it's the whole game is really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason people play these games is a sort of megalomania thing. Um, you know, <laughs> Which, uh, am, but, am I going to accuse you of that? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, well, you know, you know me quite well, so probably. Um, <laughs> but but um, you said it, not me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just really enjoy the fact that, as you say, there's a lot of choice. I yeah. tried to play uh, a game called Victoria Two, which is made by a slightly different company. It's part of a different series. Um, it's from it's from Paradox, and they make uh, games like uh, Europa Universalis and uh, Crusader Kings. Yeah. Um, they also make Victoria, which is a you know as, as the name suggests, sort of Victorian age version um, of effectively one of these European simulation games. Uh, and the level of detail in that was was even even more crazy. Hmm. You know, uh, we talk you know, right down to things like political factions and what individual oh, factories wow. are producing. Yeah. You know, so that you can have an effective army and, or you know, an effective navy, or or create you know economic upgrades and things like that. The, the level of detail in these games is absolutely amazing. And mm. but what I found about Empire and Napoleon Total War is that they stick really closely to history. Yeah, all the tech trees are linked to history, and there are you know there are units you can build, or particularly ships, where you know if you're the first person to build a ship, it'll actually tell you about the first country that built the ship. Um. And okay, you don't have to read it, but the point is you feel rooted in real life history when you're playing these games, even though you end up with a ridiculous situation, you know, where Scotland becomes, you know, a Croatian colony or something. You know, it, <laughs> you get completely balmy situations, but it still yeah. feels sort of vaguely, vaguely based on history. Um, oh, great, yeah. That and I know a lot fantastic. of the, a lot of these games, you know, interest people in history. If you play them as a kid, 
you kind of get more. In- I know I know people who've played Rome, Total War, mm. and and as a result have kind of become interested in sort of classical history. I think it's great to see that there's all different varieties of video game and like for example, I I don't tend to play strategy games that much. Um, I tend to play a lot of simpler games. Um, but it's great that there are games that have these sort of such depth to them and even historical accuracy in some regard. It's great to see that and um, I'm definitely going to try it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I really recommend it. The only thing is they're, they're a bit of a time sink sometimes <laughs> because of the level of detail. I mean, you know, it's one of these things where if you put more time into it, you do better. Yeah. Because, you know, you can control more of the individual elements rather than just being on, you know, you can play it kind of on autopilot, mm. but it's not as fun. No. Because no. you don't get the same megalomaniac kick from it. <laughs> Right, the final segment for today is... Oh, it's, it's fucking stupid. Uh, but it's going to be a bit of a laugh, so... <laughs> I've been looking out for technology news, as I usually do. And in the Metro, of all things, there was an article... <laughs> Wait, I think we've used the Metro in every episode so far. Yeah, fucking hell, we need to fucking start reading better papers. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's free. Well, that is true. It is very free. Um, <laughs> and... HTC and Spotify have partnered together because HTC have got a new phone coming out. And it's a web app where you take a selfie and it makes a playlist for you based upon your selfie. Yes. This is ridiculous. The the only way I think this can work is like, you know, if you've you've got a beard, it turns out Mumford and Sons. (laughs) And if you don't have a beard, it turns out decent music. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But I've, I've taken the sort of liberty to put some photographs and selfies through this to um, show you how it works. Have you got the audio clips? Yeah, you've you've sent me five audio clips. Yes. Um, so, first of all, I'm going to take a photograph of myself. And, you know, we'll um, get some selfies from that. So, the first track it recommended was called Blade Runner Blues. And it's actually from the Blade Runner soundtrack, which I actually really like. Which I hate. You and hate. always have. Yes, but I I love electronic music, and I think it's it's I think Blade Runner is the, one of the best sci-fi films ever made, and I think it's a really good piece of music. Well, it's it's Blade Runner, eh? Yeah, it's fantastic. Honest. Is it? Yeah, it's great. Is it? Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you sure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that that was good. You know, it's a recommendation for something that I actually would listen to. It's impressive, actually, that it found something you liked. Yeah. From um, your face. Yeah, it didn't work go very well after that. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. When you put it through, it gives you four tracks. And I'm only going to give an example of a couple, to be fair. Um, so the next track, um, I'm not going to tell you... Is this you the, the same th- picture that you put through? Yeah, this is the same picture. It gives right. you four tracks. Uh, this is the last track in the playlist, and I'm not going to tell you the title until you've heard it, because you can sort of judge whether it's suitable for me to listen to or not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Oh dear. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it looked to your age and, and thought something nostalgic. <laughs> I couldn't think of no other explanation for it churning that crap out for you. I know. Oh. Would I, you like to I, tell the listeners what that was? That was "Oops, I Did It Again" by Britney Spears. <laughs> um. <laughs> out of interest, what were the other songs? So the other one was "Bye Bye Beautiful" by Nightwish. And the other track was Dream Baby, How Long Must I Dream, from uh, from Roy Orbison. Right, I've not heard either of those. Uh, no, neither have I. Um, <laughs> right, okay. So, so that's I, my playlist. Well, I think that was very, I think that was very accurate for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you stuck one of my photos up, apparently. Yeah, um, I couldn't find a decent picture of you that oh, would work God. on the app. It kept not recognising your face as human. Um, <laughs> so I've got a picture from your 18th birthday oh god help me which i'm not going to put up online don't worry good um, but that was the only one that recognized your face as human oh so <laughs> so this is recommendations for your 18 year old self right and through it oh she offers me protection a lot of love and affection She won't forsake me I'm loving angels instead Well, I just want to explain. The reason I didn't say anything was because I was silently singing along to it. (laughs) I don't mind that song, actually. Um, I quite like Robbie Williams. Not all of his stuff, but that's a good song. I like that song. song. Yeah. So... Would, uh, your 18, I, I, would your eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old self approve of that? Uh, I don't know. I approve of that. I suppose so. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I think it's the age thing, though. I think the yeah. app just spotted my age and thought, "Oh, what's popular?" Yeah, that went down well. Yeah. Um, now the next one. Uh, well, with with my <laughs> thing, with my um, track, my first one went well. My second one, not so. Uh, so let's see how your um. Your second track went. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like a bit of jazz, smooth music. Not such a fan of this one. I'll no. be honest. <laughs> Not you really. Don't, you don't want to get it on. Sorry, Marvin. What were the other two songs my 18-year-old self would love to listen to? Allegedly. So, Bob Marley, Buffalo Soldier. <laughs> and Leona Lewis, Fire Under My Feet. Oh, my God. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, um, one out of four. Not yeah. not too bad. I mean, no. I think they can just find the most popular songs and churn out four of them, and one out of four of them is going to be right. It's like, it's like, it's like uh, you know... What are those things called? Not Horcruxes. Um, <laughs> horoscopes. Oh, yeah. So that's bollocks. And I, for the last picture, I thought, who needs cheering up? I thought, you know Jeremy Corbyn, our, our lad Jeremy. Oh, I um, thought you meant David Cameron's pig. <laughs> no, no. Um, I thought, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's having a bad time in the media. People keep attacking him for bullshit things. And I thought, you know what? I put his face in. 
and I put a nice smiley picture of him into the app. I am not going to say the name of the track again. Right. For a reason. Shall I play it? <laughs> what the fuck is this? I think our um, pal Jeremy would love this. Can I start by thanking everyone who took part in the party? That's um, impressive. Yeah. So what the fuck was that? <laughs> that was Recess by Skrillex. Right. Yes, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with Skrillex's work. Anyway. Yeah. Um. You sound like the sort of person who would be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, you know, they often play it at concerts in between Strauss and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. His other tracks for those interested were Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer, Sign of the Times by Prince, and Higgs Boson Blues by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Higgs Boson Blues? Yeah. You can listen to those tracks. I've not heard that, but I I could just imagine. Is that that like a group of physicists who got together and thought, oh, what can we write a song about? I don't really know. Oh, dear. Um, but there's some tracks you would, um, if you'd like to listen to them, they're available on Spotify, or you can get them from other better services. Um, and for David Cameron, I would recommend Pink Floyd's 1977 album, Animals. <laughs> um, probably the track called Sheep. Um, you know it. <laughs> and watching For pigs on the wing And on that note, that is the end of this episode <laughs> It is um, We tried to keep it short I've had fun uh, I've spent most of this week in bed just ill So I'm having, I've just had fun having a laugh to be honest <laughs> Um, so if you, if you like the show, uh, please share it. Um, if you've got any comments you'd like to make, you know, please put it on the Facebook post. Also on our new host, which is um, Shout Engine. Is that right? It is, yeah. Um, and you can comment on there, which is great. We're also now on iTunes, so if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, you can do that as well. And also, we're on Twitter at DamnConspiracy. So you can contact us through very, very many different ways, which is fantastic. Indeed. We look forward to your comments. Yeah, so do you have anything to add before we end this show? Was that a cue for me to add something that I've forgotten to add? Or or do I just have nothing? No, (laughs) you you can say anything you want. Say anything I want. Yeah, it's partly your show as it's partly mine. Not that I'm taking any responsibility for it. No, I have nothing to say. Uh, well, I suppose if you've been listening to the last what half hour of this, you could probably tell that. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. The music at the beginning of the show was by Josh Woodward. So if you like to type his name into Google, he's got some good music on there that he lets people use for absolutely free. And thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Hi, thank you very much. A shelter from pigs on the wing. 
going to come back in just one second. All right. Sorry. What been on? <laughs> well, I could provide entertainment while we're waiting for him to come back. Um, but um, I suppose maybe I could. Hang on. I've got some. Really, I've seen some really funny memes to do with Cameron um, putting his foot in it or putting something else anyway. Um, so apart from the things we've already mentioned, uh, there's a very good one. Where is it? Yeah, here we go. It's <laughs> a very good one. It's a picture of Jeremy Corbyn at the dispatch box for Prime Minister's questions, uh, suggesting that he has a question from Peppa Pig, who perhaps should be frightened. Um, what else is there? Uh, oh, there's right, another one of. Right uh, oh, you're back, right? I was just entertaining listeners by going through a, a lowdown of the funniest uh, Cameron Pig memes on my <laughs> Facebook wall. <laughs> Oh, there's, there's, one, there's, one, there's one here, a picture comparing a Miliband eating his bacon sandwich, David Cameron holding a pig and asking <laughs> which is worse. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's another oh. one here. Uh, there's, there's Cameron and Corbyn at the, uh, the memorial for the uh, Battle of Britain. And Cameron <laughs> is asking Corbyn, why aren't you singing? Corbyn replies, I felt safer with my mouth shut. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the internet really has demonstrated, you know, exactly what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> and here's another one. Sick bastard admits having sex with the Tory. The sick bastard being the pig. Um, <laughs> well, um... Just, <laughs> look at these bloody things. You, this is just what's coming up on my Facebook wall. Yeah, did you Lo- local, look at this. This is a real piece of news. Local Tory group cancels pig race fundraiser after the Cameron <laughs> pig allegations. That's real. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Did you see the um, pig's Twitter account? Oh, no. Someone made a Twitter account. No, somebody made a a Twitter account called Cameron's Pig, and the genuine Russian embassy followed it. (laughs) (laughs) I did check on Russia Today to see if they were reporting this, but I couldn't find anything. I was very disappointed. But the Russian embassy likes it. (laughs) Oh, oh, I don't know if you saw that meme comparing Corbyn and Cameron in the 1980s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, with one with Corbyn getting arrested for, you know, defending the rights of, um, you know, citizens in apartheid South Africa. And then yeah. Cameron on the other side of the meme with, you know, his Bullington spats on. Yeah. Well, that's now been replaced by the picture of a pig with its mouth open <laughs> as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh. Uh, uh, good headline. Unpatriotic Corbyn snobs Westminster pig sex tradition. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Oh. In two EU countries, you can legally fuck a pig, but same-sex marriage is banned. That's from Pink News. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the internet's really gone to town with this. <laughs> oh,